everyone, welcome back to Morgan Hasn't Seen. We have reached the final week of our big old Hollywood meets new series, Jadine. What a very interesting cross-show series this yeah. has been to start 2024 with our final week. Mr. Paul Newman is taking centre stage as he rightfully deserves to because we do like ourselves a little bit of Paul Newman as well. And this is finally, we've actually reached someone's last live action role because yeah. this is Paul Newman's last ever live action role. Unfortunately, it's not his last ever role, which I actually think is Cars. Yes. Pixar's yeah. Cars, mm -hmm. which is weird that Paul <laughs> Newman's last ever role is that. But this movie today is his last time actually looking at his face on the screen. And that is Road to Perdition from 2002, the, the gangster movie. Yeah early 30s set graphic novel adaptation um which is it's very dark it's a i mean i'm I'm gonna come out with and just say rotab edition's quite a vibe janine i think it is it is and funnily enough starring with another pixar voice star uh in oh, Tom oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. um and i don't think i'd seen this movie since it came out maybe, which was like when I graduated oh, wow. high school. So this was kind of a fresh watch for me as it had been so long. So I was even kind of trying to remember like the pure premise of what happens. I know it was kind of like a revenge thing. Uh, but in watching it, I was actually kind of like, is this basically John Wick? This is kind of John Wick or John Wick is actually like road to perdition. So um, I was having a lot of fun with that kind of comparative uh, process in watching the movie. Um. Well, while I don't think that's necessarily a, a, a wrong reading of Road to Petition at all, I feel like I've seen a lot of things recently that just confuse the concept of a revenge movie for being, oh, it's just John Wick with X person or, you know, John Wick in such an area. And I think because John Wick is the defining modern revenge saga that it yeah. is, and I mean, it, it should be, it's incredible. But I feel like maybe, maybe this, maybe this, it, 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 you can say it's a John Wick movie, but I think it's just more perhaps appropriate to just say it's a revenge movie. I feel like people get overwhelmed by John Wick, rightfully so, like I say, but. Yes. I think I've seen quite a bit surrounding that recently. I don't know. Maybe. Hmm. It's interesting to think of. It's certainly an interesting way of comparing. And admittedly, there are quite some striking similarities to elements <laughs> of the first John yes. Wick in this, in, yeah. this, uh, in this movie that I think perhaps bring its comparison more... Uh, you know, makes its comparison more reasonable with something like Road to Perdition, which I found myself watching this movie and 
harkening back to the kind of movies I was watching when I first really got into movies, which were an awful lot of mob-based things. Uh... Because this is obviously entirely centred around a mob enforcer on the run. And it is fully embraced in that world. Like we say, it's set in the early 30s. It feels like it's been really diligently um, designed to look like the early 30s. And they seem to do a really good job of capturing that particular time, even with some of the casting and some of the performances. They, they don't take you out of the movie, even though you recognise quite a good few people in this movie and cast members, Yeah, you know, just by name. They're not the kind of, of actors that pull you out of what is ultimately a period movie. Yes, because there are definitely actors like who just about it. don't fit in that era. Like, Mark Wahlberg is an actor who doesn't really, wouldn't fit no, no, in no, this, no, 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 in this no, no, era no. at all. Um, but all of these actors are great. And yeah, they're they're very much in the kind of name recognition realm but they all fit and and feel like they are of the time or are are their characters that they're portraying so uh definitely yeah. not something that pulls you out as you said but being that this is is paul newman week to end us off with janine i mean we have covered uh, a few paul newman movies on mm -hmm. It's a Wonderful Podcast, The Main Show, we are, of course, doing a pretty major double feature to close out this big series on Friday with The Hustler and The Colour of Money as a uh, as a double feature because it is, of course, a sequel. Yeah, one of the Hustler. earliest legacy sequels that I can think of <laughs> now that it's yeah, like a I common mean, thing today. Yeah. <laughs> very much so. It is kind of a legacy sequel, is it? I'm certainly mm -hmm. looking forward to talking about those on uh, on Friday's show. Yeah. But I feel like Paul Newman is also somebody that I still need to explore more of and would yes, love to on mm -hmm. the main show. So, you know, seeing him in his last performance in this movie, noticeably old. I mean, we are looking at... Burt Lancaster in Field of Dreams level of old person yeah. here, mm -hmm. which is 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 nice to go back to after last week being Sidney Poitier and him not actually being that old in yeah. sneakers, him just being somewhat older, um, yeah. thirty years old in his sixties. Sixties, yeah. I'm, I'll I'll find out how old exactly Paul Newman was in Road to Perdition, but. He's still giving it so much. He's still got a certain charm about him. Yes. A certain level of evil menace as well that occasionally pops up in Paul Newman's career where he can play a, a, a leader, a charming leader that he, that he plays here, a warm figure that mm -hmm. he plays here, a charismatic romantic leading man not that he's doing that in this movie but he's but charming people for sure he's certainly charming people yet there is there is a a, a real ruthless darkness yes, yes. Mm -hmm. 
and I feel like he he has gone into those territories in his career. It's not out of the realm of possibility for me watching Road to Perdition to picture Paul Newman ultimately being the kind of, of mob boss character he is in this. I found it very interesting, really. Yeah. Uh, oh. Definitely. Um, yes, I was excited to see him in this role, to see him play darker and see if he could really uh, balance that line of, of being this uh, endearing uh, boss figure, but also uh, not hesitate in making kind of tough decisions. And, and and we have a character who even kind of calls him out uh, being this god who is so benevolent and, and giving, but also very uh, easily and quick to take away. So uh, definitely how a character will describe him in this film it is very much what he portrays so perfectly. So I'm excited yeah, to really we are. We are, by the way, looking at a 76, 77-year-old Paul Newman in this movie. So we are a similar age to Burt Lancaster in Field of Dreams okay. there. But before we do get into the main discussion of today's episode, we do have to say a big thank you to all our It's a Wonderful Podcast patrons because we love them so much and we love saying a big thank you to them every single week on one of the shows here. If you would like to join them and join us on the Patreon, there is a link in the description of this episode to go and do that. We can't do what we do without that generous support. Uh, there is also a donation link down there as well if you just want to support us in that way. We would love you forever. Yeah. We really, really would. We'll start by saying a big thank you to Marie Zambino. And thank you, Adam Witt. Thank you to Michael Smith. Thank you, uh, Amber Coates. Thank you to Abby Friel. Thank you, Ferris Muthana. Thank you to 90s Comics Box, Janine's Big Brother Justin. Thank you, Video Drew. Thank you to Tina Farrow. Thank you, Marcus Burton. Thank you to Movie Fanobi Steve. Thank you, Samir Tesfai. Thank you, Patrick Harden. Thank you, Carla Fies. Thank you to the great Ken Napsok. Thank you to our good friends Tom and Kimber of Odd Shape Channel. Thank you to Eric Garcia. And thank you to Billy Pollahan. Yes, applause for the patrons. Yay. Applause for the movie, as we like to say, Janine. And I think the movie definitely gets an applause. It speaks to a lot of what I enjoy in movies. It being a phenomenally visual movie. I mean, it feels at times like there's nobody saying anything for an awful yeah. long time. And it's a, such a great way, I think, of adapting something like a graphic novel that is such a visual medium, obviously totally illustrated, based an awful lot of the time on the transitions between comic panels with potentially very little to no dialogue it yeah. feels like such a wonderful adaptation of something like that and i've never read road to perdition or anything yeah, like that. i've never i've never even looked at the graphic novel but i still get that sense 
on screen because Sam Mendes, who's directing this, is seemingly able to bring this really clear, crisp visual storytelling and yeah. framing things so interestingly, using so much, so many like focus trick shots and things like that that I noticed quite a few times in the movie just to shift what you're thinking about rather than having somebody over explain anything which never ever comes close to happening in this people say only exactly what they need what to they say. need to say yeah. yeah and no more it's the most concise dialogue and i mean interestingly i'll let you in on on a little um behind the scenes secret i watched Ooh. this movie or in the same 24-hour period that I watched A Raisin in the Sun, which was last week's <laughs> episode of the main show, Sydney Poitier Week, yes. a movie that is staggeringly dialogue-based. Yes, <laughs> kind of the opposite. And this is a really, it's just a, a very, very noticeable um, contrast yeah. to that movie. I... I just appreciated the, the, the filmmaking style. Well, yes, I think I think Sam Mendes is a very visual person and will tell you everything you need to know through an expression, through a, a, a an action, um, through what somebody's watching or looking at, what they're writing on on a piece of paper. Um, so, because he is so much kind of. Uh, trusting in the viewer to pick up on these cues uh it very much plays into this uh show don't tell uh type of aspect with this filmmaking which i really i really do enjoy yeah and really does engage you i think it's an engaging mm -hmm. story anyway i mean most revenge tales tend to be rather engaging you are with your main protagonist even though our protagonist in this movie, played by Tom Hanks, does not at all suit his moustache that he is, <laughs> yeah, he is grown he's, for he this movie. Yeah, he's not, he doesn't seem like he he fits a moustache very well. Um, Paul Newman certainly does. We, we yes, like Paul Newman, even great. in his very old age, Paul Newman uh, has always suited some degree of facial hair. I think most notably one of one of the most strikingly good-looking pictures of any actor male actor that is um it is a, a picture of paul newman in venice uh, at venice film festival where he's just got a little beard and i think it's in about 1963 or something yeah. like that and it's just like wow there's a there's a good-looking man it, it makes me think and this is me not being somebody who's necessarily attracted to men <laughs> or, or i don't know why i said necessarily there not in that way regardless but i remember seeing this picture of paul newman oh. at the venice film festival i think it might have been even when i was in venice and just thinking oh paul newman i i get it i get it with paul <laughs> you know what i mean though yes yes no i love that i love that I'm sure there'll be plenty of discussions about that coming on uh, Friday's episode of the main show. 
Oh yes, yes. He, he, and he is, I believe, rocking a mustache in that movie, isn't he? In, in color, I mean, the color of money he does, yeah, in the color of money he does. But I mean, in 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 the hustler itself, it is really prime, attractive Paul yes. Newman. Yes. So yeah, um, so so yes, I will probably be talking about his uh, his position on my my classic actors crush list for sure. Um, I'm, so, I'm so glad that has become a frequent thing. I mean, you have mustache Hall of Fame. I have classic crush list. <laughs> yeah, Tom Hanks doesn't doesn't go on the mustache no. Hall of Fame. No. I don't know if Paul Newman is on it. I think I feel like he isn't because I feel like we haven't done. We haven't watched watch anything Paul with him. Movie. Yeah. Yes. But um, um, but yes, uh, there's thoughts to be had. Yes, he's definitely doing better with his mustache than Tom Hanks is in this film, for sure. Um, well, what do we think about the actual plot and revenge of this movie, then? How does this well, come about? Well, considering it does remind me of John Wick, I am very pleased with the revenge story that we get here. Um, we set up these uh, this enforcer played by Tom Hanks, who works for... Um, uh, Paul Newman's character, who's kind of just like the head uh, of this crime organization, and also is a father figure to him. Uh, Tom Hanks's character, uh, Mike Sullivan, I believe, is his name. Right? Yes, uh, he yeah. Which is 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 unusual because my 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 dad knows somebody called Mike Sullivan, and it's quite <laughs> funny. Oh and my God. also, it just continued to remind me of another Pixar movie in Monsters, Inc. Oh, where you've got Mike and Sully. <laughs> yes. And this film is starring a bit silly. <laughs> yes, and then you have these two men who have voiced popular Pixar characters. So it's just Pixar all over this place, all over the place in this movie. Um, and then this weird John Wick vibe. So a lot going on here. If if you're somebody who kind of just makes movie connections in your brain, which I am definitely one of those people. Um, so yes, Mike Sully Sullivan here. <laughs> um, uh, he, you know, didn't grow up with a father. So Paul Newman's uh, character ha has acted as a father figure for him. Um, and he's kind of his number one enforcer, along with uh, Paul Newman's actual son, played by Daniel Craig. Now, uh, Daniel Craig in this movie is, is an interesting presence. Yeah. I think. Because, I mean, considering he and, and Sam Mendes would go on to work in Bond together. Yes. In perhaps the, the, the best of the modern yes. Bond movies in Skyfall. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't cast Daniel Craig as Bond based on his performance in this movie. He's very unBond like. Yes, he's very petulant and uh, he's incredibly. He, he, he very much, and, and that is his plot point is very much much what leans into the John Wick of it all because he's very much Alfie Allen character in 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 John Wick. Uh, and, he, and he acts very similarly, this kind of uh, holier-than-thou, my father's this person, which makes me powerful by association, so you can't tell me anything. I'm going to do whatever I want kind of attitude. Uh, there's also him. not, uh, yeah, there, there's, 
there's some sort of maybe it's the blonde hair Draco Malfoy yes. vibes with My Daniel Craig in this movie this. as well. He, and he does say something very similar that gives off the same energy as my father's going to hear about this kind of thing when Stanley yeah. Tucci tries to tell him something uh, as Stanley Tucci is kind of this go-between character uh, for uh, Paul Newman's Rooney and uh, and Tom Hanks. Uh, he he's kind of yeah. just like you know he he tries to give Tom Hanks a warning in, in terms of what he when he's you know contemplating going about this revenge, but he'll also do whatever Paul Newman says. So yeah, but it's it was a bit of a a bit of a strange thing for me to even view Daniel Craig as this kind of character in this movie because we're obviously so used to now seeing him as as Bond and even though his Bond is a particularly kind of disheveled well not flawed, disheveled but flawed, flawed Bond, yeah. very flawed Bond um but still has to see him be this petulant kind of immature our 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 bond him as bond is not a very immature character and where this one is far from it (laughs) yes yes so very much interesting to see him kind of in this other vein that we're used to seeing him in which i i always love when an actor can can play off you know your typical kind of expectation of them when they've done a familiar role or they play kind of similar characters in in, in different films. Uh, so when they do something that you haven't really seen from them, I think it's really fun, especially when they are able to pull it off. It's a nice surprise. Yeah. And not not doing a, a, a bad early 30s Chicago-ish Irish yeah. accent either, which, which was quite yeah. decent. I mean, we 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 kind of know him now for doing a particularly absurd American accent in the Knives Out movies. <laughs> yes, yeah. like that. So he's obviously very good at that, but yeah. uh, that's supposed to be over the top and rather theatrical, isn't it? This, yes. this isn't. And he he's, seems to be doing a, a, a reasonable enough job. Yeah. I did quite enjoy him as this role because it was something so different. Tom Hanks as as the lead, it's competent Tom Hanks. You, you know what you're always going to get with Tom Hanks, even in what ultimately is a bit of a tougher role for Tom yes. Hanks. And I, mean that, and I mean that in the sense that he is playing a tougher character, not that it's a difficult role. And it's not that it's it's uh, off from what we're used to seeing him as because he's not, you know, he's not playing a straight up villain while he is somebody who does bad things, which will kind of become a theme of of the relationship between him and his son. Um, yeah. And ultimately kind of the message and conclusion that his son gets to about his father by the end of the movie. He is, you know... He, d- he doesn't read as a villain, even though he is kind of working for the quote unquote bad guy and doing bad things. Um, I think this is the best he, way he of putting yes, your he doesn't read protagonists, yes, though, isn't it? Yes, he doesn't read to us as a villain. And again, I'm going. I'm probably going to continue to make comparisons to John Wick because it's very much She's like John doing Wick, it. who has done all of these terrible things, killed all of these people, but you know we see him love, we see him you know, care about his family and the people in his life. And so that humanizes him as somebody who is capable of that. Um, 
Whereas kind of the characters that are truly seen as the villains in this movie are not capable of that. Our, our Jude Law assassin character that will come in later, he does not seem capable of any kind of true compassion for anybody. Um, no, he's quite a ruthless robotic kind of person. Yes. So because we Terminate show a person who Jude has Law's done... Skin. Yes, exactly. So because we we th there's time taken to depict him as a, a man who was capable of that human ability to love and care. Um, uh, and even in his crime work, we see this kind of moral thing for him because what kind of kicks off our conflict is the fact that Tom Hanks's uh, Mike is on a job with Daniel Craig to uh, question somebody who they're kind of worried about. His brother was killed. Uh, and the so funeral he, for this brother at the beginning of the yes, movie. Yes. And so he kind of makes a speech about his brother and goes on talking about the God complex of, of Paul uh, Newman's Rooney and talking about how uh, he is like God and we all see him as God and he, you know, giveth and taketh away and he kind of gets dragged away before he can say anymore. So they're kind of worried about where his allegiances lie at this point now because he's almost challenging, you know, the higher up, the 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 god, yeah. as it were. So they're kind of there is a stern face on Paul yes. Newman's face. Yeah. You, you you feel it, don't you? You feel that there's the potential for some really nasty things. Yeah, to go yeah. Down. So now they're all there. You know, he's there with uh, Daniel Craig, uh, Paul Newman's son, and Tom Hanks, and they're kind of questioning him uh, to to see where his allegiances sit. And before things even kind of progress daniel craig just kills him and yeah. we hear tom hanks say hey why'd you do that for like why would you do that because that was not part of the plan the plan was to kind of scare him a little bit rattle him maybe remind him of hey you know if you try anything because you're emotional about your brother know that there's going to be consequences so this was yeah. meant to kind of just rattle him a little bit to kind of stay in his place but because of this power entitlement complex uh, of daniel craig's character he takes it too far and ultimately kills this man well this is the world of, of early 30s organized crime none of those very notable you know organizations mobs at that particular time really wanted to kill anybody because they knew if you, if you read into that period in history and these groups of that period none of them really wanted to kill anybody or you know get quote unquote get rid of these people that they were forced into doing because they knew how ultimately dangerous they knew how that it would have consequences it was far more about yeah threats yeah and far more about the threat of serious violence than actually, actually acting it out it, that was a last resort kind of thing if, if they didn't yeah. adhere to the warning that you gave then you and would I have to like, take it there yeah and i feel like an awful lot of of mob movies of gangster movies have maybe <laughs> helped us to forget that it wasn't 
always violence as the first answer. Yes, because that you you immediately think of you know uh, cement shoes and you know shovels yeah. and throwing people in trunks and hiding the bodies type of energy when it comes to that. Um, of course, this sort of stuff did happen. happen but, of course, yes, but but it, it wasn't something. I don't think it was ever something that these people enjoyed particularly enjoyed doing. Like some some mob movies, perhaps go to a certain area where it feels like these things become more commonplace. But certainly, the better ones, I feel like, depict it always as a reluctance to actually go as far as sometimes is necessary and it's a bit of a personal battle with your lead characters i mean even something as as highly renowned as the godfather movies i mean you, you see how much struggle the the characters actually go through and how much the the violence ends up breaking Michael Corleone by the end of that movie where he becomes a totally different person he becomes the yeah. godfather himself yeah. at the end of the movie and completely detracts from his original personality because of the violence he is forced into an acting yeah and you know this this movie isn't the godfather by any stretch of no. the imagination it just falls within the same genre and it's a it's a always a fascinating genre and i think this movie does have a unique place within it because i i, I rarely go for a 2000s mob movie or post 2000 mob movie because i feel like at a certain point the whether it's even the camera quality or the picture quality just becomes a bit too clear. And this is definitely transitioning to to, to digital movie making as opposed yeah. to actually shooting on film. Because yeah. any, any mob movie that's shot on film, and from what I could gather, this this looked that way. It didn't look too polished digitized or anything like yeah. that it didn't look too polished which which was nice given that it actually felt polished it didn't yeah. look it still felt dirty it still felt gritty rather dark grimy needed. very yeah. dark very needed. smoky yeah yeah really muted very very you know of the time it was depicting and you know I'm, for some reason i've got the movie gangster squad in my head now <laughs> as, as, a, as an example of something that didn't look anywhere near like it was supposed to look yeah. like yeah. and and totally just felt sanitized compared to uh to something like this or of course th those very notable older mob movies and even obviously going back into into old hollywood when things like this are very much still around but you're still making organized crime yeah. movies mm -hmm. in the early 30s and things like that you know the public enemy and other such things yeah little caesar but it's a fascinating genre and it's a genre we hardly ever talk about on any of these shows so it's, nice. it's kind of come into uh 
into play in yeah edition yes so we do have you know daniel craig's connor you know, going off the rails and doing things he's not supposed to do. And the man that they were kind of doing this interrogation to was played by, is it Siren Hines or Kieran Hines? I never know. Kieran Hines. Yeah. You do, Hines. Yeah. It's, yes. It's <clears throat> yes. So, um, yes, Connor ends up killing him. And just another, the point, I think the general point I was getting to was the fact that, um, you know, we, we don't view Tom Hanks, purely as a bad guy because even in his gangster work he's very much like why did you do that what is wrong with you and kind of lecturing connor on taking things too far um and the, the what the problem is with the situation ultimately ends up being is that uh tom hanks's son was stowed away in the car and has witnessed this happen yeah and... he hid. he's been getting he's been getting a bit um a, a bit over interested in, in what his father does yeah yeah in, in the specifics of his father's job i think after this funeral that they all attend at the beginning of the movie it seems like even his kids are quite friendly with paul newman oh yeah they run uh, up to him like he's their grandfather plays you know dice with them uh yeah. and, and is very close with them and they see him as as a, a familial figure as well um, and then, you know, it's also kind of a very uh, kind of sinister, spooky introduction we get to Connor, Connor Rooney, um, Daniel is, Craig's yeah. character, uh, as uh, Paul Newman sends Mike, which is Mike Sullivan, Tom Hanks, his, his, son, his, his son is also Mike. He sends him up to get his jacket from like a, the parlor and he goes in there and Daniel Craig's just laying on the couch smoking a cigarette and you know in the dark and he did he and and i love like just the subtle setup to know that like he doesn't really distinguish the difference between uh tom hanks's two sons he's just like which one are you you're one of the sullivan kids which one are you so i like that there's a few lines that that speak to he doesn't pay attention because then we know that even though his father is very close with these children he could care less about them and who they are and and uh you know his partner who he does this stuff with uh mike big mike and uh so he's very kind of detached so we're already kind of showing a juxtaposition of somebody who does this work but still has this uh you know capacity to to be human and this person who's just you know very entitled and selfish and self-involved uh just in this just in this introduction scene of 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 young mike coming in and him you know call me uncle uncle connor and then even when he does come in to say oh hey your father sent me in here to get something from his jacket and he's like come back later i'm busy and he's literally just laying there smoking a cigarette already kind of asserting himself over this this young boy um and just really just some great little character things and then also again as i said making us fully aware that he pays no mind to which son is which because that play into things later so once they do kill karen hines and young mike has seen this and they see someone looking through the door like they see the shadow uh, young Mike runs away. Uh, Tom Hanks comes out, sees it's his son, and tells him, don't say anything. Like, did you see anything? He says, yes. And he tells him not to say anything. And then here comes Connor, who also sees. And, and he still is like, 
is this one of yours? Again, like not really distinguishing between his two sons. And he, he, he you know, he assures him, oh, he's going to stay quiet. Okay, well, that's all I need to hear. But somehow when Connor says, you know, he trusts that the son isn't going to say anything, that's not the end of it. He, how he says it, how he looks at both of them, you already get the sense that that's not going to be it for it. It the, the end of it for him. So. Yeah, and look, we get this relatively sinister, half slow mo, shadowy walk off from Daniel Craig. There's yeah, a lot it's, of it's raining, it's pouring. So a great kind of crimey, gritty visual of they've just, you know, this crime has just been. They've just killed this man, or Connor has just killed this man. The son has seen. He runs out in the rain. His father's just like freaking out, stressed, like, oh great, now my son is in trouble. Da 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 da. And Connor, uh, you know saying that he he trusts the situation, he's okay with it, and tells Tom Hanks to take his son home, that he's going to walk, that it's a perfect night for walking. And it's pouring rain. So the fact that this man is just perfectly content and walking in this dark, gloomy weather, it, it, it's just another kind of thing that speaks to just his ickiness. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it does. But there's there's an awful lot of almost still image visuals mm -hmm. in this movie that I just found myself going, oh, that's pretty. It speaks to what I aesthetically like. I think even though even though it's set in the early 30s, it's made in the early 2000s, it's based on a graphic novel that I assume was written in the 90s. I really don't know. I do apologise. It still feels very noir. Yes, it's I mean every very, poster, very every poster of this movie is uh, a father and son hand in hand. You see the the big gun in Tom Hanks's other hand. They're shadowed figures walking in the rain, and it's gray and yeah. gloomy. And it's like this whole film is just a, a pure kind of continuation of that really cool, dark, gritty, pulpy visual. Yeah, it's 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 wonderful. I could sit and look at just images from the movie mm -hmm. still shots from the movie all day it's exactly the kind of movie aesthetic i absolutely love and the fact they were able to do this this well yeah. is a credit to you know the people behind this movie it's a credit to this movie that i'm here going this is just this beautiful really to look at yeah yeah um, being that it isn't an old movie and it obviously isn't a noir because <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it isn't it just has that aesthetic, aesthetic element sure. um, yes. as far as the thematic elements of this movie go though fundamentally I mean we've br brought it up in, in, in passing so far on the show but fundamentally it is a father and son story from all these different angles, from Tom Hanks and Tyler Hecklin, it is who plays yeah. his, his son in this movie rather interestingly. Our still Superman is that still going on? That I don't Superman think so. Smallville thing. I, I, I'm not sure. No, it's not Smallville, is it? It's, it's well, it's the, like connected. It's in that same universe of CW DC things. It like is. That. It's all that sort of stuff. I don't know if it's still going on. I think he's the latest person to play Superman. I think that can be said. Yes. Um, which is quite interesting in and of itself. But we have that central father-son dynamic that 
I wanted to talk a little bit more about that particular scene where Tyler Hecklin obviously sees Kieran Hines get murdered and the and the the immediate aftermath of that, because it could quite easily be the case that Tom Hanks, seeing that it is his own son who has hidden in the car, who has witnessed this horrific thing that his father has been involved in, if not okay, his father hasn't actually committed the crime exactly, but he has been involved in it. Mm-hmm. It, it is his son fully realizing exactly the kind of business that his father is involved in. Yes. It's that loss of innocence from Tyler Hecklin at that point. It would be completely understanding to see Tom Hanks get rather annoyed with Tyler Hecklin at this yeah. point. And by rather annoyed, I mean quite angry indeed. Yes. You know, what are you doing? Do we get. A, a, a rage scene from Tom Hanks, which is very, very, very rare something like that happens. I was half expecting it to happen, but it's Tom Hanks. We get a certain level of humanity and understanding and ultimate love for his son to have him pull through this situation to make it as easy as possible not just for him, but for his son as well. And I like that dynamic because that dynamic stays true between the two of them throughout the whole movie, even though Tom Hanks at times, distant is the wrong word. It's not distant, but it's perhaps, he perhaps doesn't show just how much love that we know he has for his son directly. Yeah, yeah. He, he kind of keeps and, him at a distance slightly. Um, yeah, but it's not distant. It's not distant by any means. I just think it's perhaps a, a an idea of, of the time and the personalities of that time, the hard-edged personalities of, of, of men in the early 30s and, yeah. and the dynamic between fathers and sons at that point. But it's certainly a more pleasant relationship than the Roonies have with each yeah. other, Paul Newman yeah. and Daniel Craig. And then you have that very interesting, arguably most interesting father sudden dynamic between Tom Hanks and Paul Newman himself. Yes. As he's a father isn't... figure to him. Yeah. Exactly. And he, so... and he almost loves Tom Hanks more than his own son. <laughs> Absolutely, I think he does. He certainly yeah. understands Tom Hanks more than he understands his own son. He, there's there's, there's a great scene of Paul Newman beating on Daniel Craig in this movie, which I never thought I would ever see happen. It's quite funny. He's shouting in his face, and Daniel Craig must have been absolutely terrified and looking at us to see, you know, Paul Newman's there shouting in your face, how great is this? This is a an idea I've been obsessed with throughout this entire series. Yes, we talked about Hollywood that. Meets New. Yes, how, how these younger actors, or maybe not even as well-known actors, felt sharing scenes with these big names of classic Hollywood, of early film, um, and how how do they feel now looking back on sharing scenes with these great 
actors of kind of early eras. So yeah. uh, yes, I would love to see, you know, how Daniel Craig felt because this is like very early beginnings of his career. Um, you know, particularly maybe in his U.S. career, uh, doing a movie with Paul Newman, sharing scenes with him where Paul Newman has to kind of beat him up and yell in his face and be his father. So, um, yeah, I would definitely, you know, that's what I was kind of going through my mind as well in, in this scene. But this scene comes a little bit later. Um, you know, they have a big meeting where we see that uh, John Rooney, Paul Newman, is not happy with his son for killing uh, Karen Hines because that is not what they were supposed to do. Um, uh, he does end up learning of young Mike being there to witness it. He sees him and has a little moment with him and tells him, you know, you're going to keep our secret, right? Um, and I, I feel like he, you know, he doesn't want to take it a step further in, in you know, no. he wants he wants to do what we talked about, you know, the warning. We'll give them a warning. We trust them. They are family. Nothing's going to happen. Um, it's also interesting that he, like, offers him a coin, which is a coin we, we saw placed on the eyes of the, the man in the funeral at the beginning. Mm. So that's also kind of this... Uh, silent threat that he's giving this young child. Um, and, and I think at this point, now having witnessed what happened and knowing that uh, John Rooney's son was involved in, in the killing, he now knows what this grandfather figure does and who he is and, and what he, yeah. he's capable of. So when he exactly hands him this how, coin that they... Exactly that how powerful. Yes. So when he hands him this coin, that Sam Mendes as a filmmaker took a period of time to focus on over the eyes of this dead body. We know kind of what that means of him handing him this coin yeah, to, and telling him to keep the secret and making sure he keeps the secret with a smile, no, you know, no less. So now why the second half of the movie is this on the run style revenge, movie? Yeah. Uh, revenge style movie it is is ultimately because well daniel craig does take it a little bit way too far in yeah, his own hand and takes it into his own hands takes it into his own that has seemingly been handled <laughs> oh absolutely it's seemingly been handled but no he can't let that go so what does he do is he goes and he sneaks in to the 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 Sullivan household, and just straight up murders Jennifer Jason Lee, who by the way is Tom Hanks' wife in this movie. Yeah, and his other son, straight yeah. up, just out of nowhere, complete malice. Yes, but how we is this is revealed to us also is really well done, because Mike uh, is on a job. He's going to this club to threaten somebody who owes uh, John Rooney some money. He goes to this club. He goes in the room. He um, is threatening him, telling him, you know, you better pay up and this and that and doing his usual thing. And then there's a bit of kind of this standoff situation. We see um, the man reading a note of some kind. Uh, Mike spots a gun on his desk. And there's a bit of a kind of like a pause. Of, of what's going to happen he he feels like okay i'm threatening this man he he has a gun right in front of him so it ends up kind of becoming this showdown the man goes for the gun mike ultimately shoots him shoots his his henchman and then he goes to look at the note 
and the note is telling that man to kill Sullivan. Yeah. So now he knows that this goes someone. someone is not was not accepting of the plan to just trust his son in keeping the secret. Someone didn't trust that. Someone did not trust him or his son. Someone's taking it into their own hands to to get rid of him and and obviously he knows to that extent his son. So he tries to call the house and we just see the phone off the hook. So we already kind of know. So again, just the visuals telling us everything we need to know. The mother is giving the younger son a bath. They're having a nice little laugh. We turn around and we, you know, we see a, a we see, you know, uh Connor shoot the wife. And then again, beautiful visuals. Mike is coming home. Young Mike is coming home. He looks up at the top window and you just see the flash of a second gunshot. So you know him and his mother are dead because we only see her get shot, but we see Mike's vantage point looking up at the window of his knowing that his younger brother also got shot. So Mike, the one who knows the secret, is still alive. And then a great, great moment. Uh, Connor's coming down the stairs. He's looking through the glass of the door. Mike is right outside the door and we think, oh no, he's, he's seen Mike. He, he knows he didn't kill the right kid. He's going to come get him. But he can't see through the glass because it's tinted or something. And, and Connor's just checking his reflection in the glass. So great, great kind of subversion of like, oh my gosh, you know, some, a character's uh, not seeing what we think he's seeing. And then again, playing into those great lines of dialogue where we are 100% sure Connor doesn't realize he killed the wrong son because he didn't take the time to notice the difference between Sullivan's two children. So just yeah, so many I, great things happening with these scenes. Great. There, so, there, there really, really is. And those visual cues that you're talking about. I mean, we could be here for three hours picking yeah. apart <laughs> all the different little things of that nature that are going yeah. on in this movie. It is such a smartly put together yeah. movie in that way, in its visuals, as we've spoken about. It, it, it's great. I mean, it makes me not upset, but not disappointed either, but the, uh, similar to that, on, on that, on, on that spectrum of disappointment, that the actual revenge second half of the movie isn't tom hanks just going through person after person in the entire mob and just going was it you no bang you know was it you no yeah bang? and it just being one of those relentless kind of revenge tales no what am i talking about it's a far smarter quieter oh, yeah. movie yeah. than mm-hmm. that it doesn't need to be gory violence all the time this isn't the early 70s uh revenge movies or anything like that there's there's thought there's meaning there's there's difficult decisions there's difficult emotions for tom hanks to process in this movie in his revenge and he's obviously still trying to look after his son, his young son, well, who who's lost, who's quick. also lost his mother and brother, and feels guilty about that because it's his. Yeah, like it's his fault that ha- all this happened because he snuck in the car and saw what happened. Yeah, exactly. Who, who and he, who has just rapidly lost all of his 
innocence and needs to almost is is forced to very rapidly mature yeah throughout the course of, of that second half of this movie when jude law comes into play as well yeah. as this mysterious figure who at, at first looks just kind of you know schlubby and and he's in the corner sat there in the diner with Tom Hanks kind of making idle conversation, but I think we quickly come to realise that he has been uh, tasked with something, that something obviously finally get rid of the Sullivans. Yes, it's a whole kind of deeper thing that happens. So this is when we get the Paul Newman beating up on Connor scene because he's pissed that now Connor has made this situation far more difficult than it needs to be. And particularly on a personal level for Paul Newman because he loves Tom Hanks as a son. He loves Tom Hanks' children. But now they've put him in a position to where to, you know, the degree that he doesn't want to do it, but he it's more important to him to maintain the status quo. He ultimately hires this assassin in Jude law to kill Sullivan and his son. Um, Even though ultimately it. Yes. And in his mind, it is, it is now the simplest thing to do. It, it, It results in the simplest outcome. And I mean, Jude law is playing this with a, a, a real strangeness, yeah. I feel like that that we only get in 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 a younger Jude Law. Where is this Jude Law? Yeah, he's just squirrely, and and we, his introduction is so uh, deplorable and sick and Joker esque almost because we see a body laying there and it's bleeding, and then he's set up with a camera. So I'm like, is he some type of like? Uh, you know, crime scene photographer or something. But then we see blood start trickling out of the body's mouth. The man is still partially alive. He starts kind of moving and coughing. And ever so casually, Jude Law just walks over to him and proceeds to kill him fully. And then goes back to taking a picture of him. And then he's developing this picture. And then he gets the phone call to kill the Sullivans. So just how he's introduced is so creepy. And so we already know what we're dealing with, what the, he plans to do when he finds them, what type of man he is, what type of assassin he is. He's not just an enforcer, uh, you know, like Hanks. he's far much more, uh, scary than that. So when we see him in scenes, when we see him putting pieces together to even find, uh, the Sullivans, when he does get in close to them, it's all just, it's very, it it builds a lot of tension in in those moments because we've seen, we've illustrated beautifully again who this character is, what he's capable of, so. Yeah, and and honestly though, Jude Law's performance just really impressed me in this because he is is himself, I think, or has the, more than the capability of being an incredibly warm and endearing figure in movies who has effortless charm and charisma yes yeah the obvious ability to look like the most attractive man on the planet yeah also somehow has the ability to come across like the most terrifyingly relentless 
violent assassin you could possibly yes yes and and it's it's great when an actor who is kind of seen as conventionally attractive you know fight against their beauty in in such fun ways with characters like he's his teeth look all rotted and his you know he he has a receding hairline and is you know kind of balding bags under his eyes looks kind of squirrely and dirty and uh you know and it's so believable you're not feeling like it's this cute guy in in a uh, hobo cosplay you know uh he very much transforms no. into this gross dark evil kind of character which i, I and this, this it really, adds a great sense of tension to this chase of this father and son on the run yeah and there's this really great shootout between tom hanks and jude law as well it, it, it's when jude law or it's when tom hanks finds one of the the other guys that are in the meeting this first kind of meeting where yeah. paul mm-hmm. newman forces daniel craig to apologize like yeah. quite horribly forces him to apologize as well i really liked that scene but hanks is kind of figuring out exactly who's you know who he has to who he has to get revenge on exactly because he doesn't yes. want to overdo it this is the nature of this movie and this character in this yeah. movie and he finds this particular guy but jude laws across the street in another building watching because he feels like he's going to go there because part of the brilliance of tom hanks's revenge plan is to kind of steal all of the money from all his kind of little so it's very much again like a john wick thing where john wick goes to our villain's main hub and like burns all his money it's very similar he's he's going to all of his hubs stealing all of his money making sure that john Rui knows it's him and so he gets to another person who is holding on to some of uh, of John Rooney's money. But John Rooney kind of has figured out where he could be going next and all of that. And so, yes, John, yeah. John, uh, um, Jude Law's in waiting for him to, to, for such a meeting, for him to go there. So it's yeah, kind of and, and this, Yeah, and this whole idea is also where Stanley Tucci comes into the movie, who, yeah. who we, we, we spoke about before. But it's a, it's a great shootout. It leaves jude law with a real serious facial wound that yeah we don't like shards of glass see. get shot into his face we just see ble- him holding his face and blood coming down on his hands we don't see it again great no, we, smart visuals yeah yeah but we don't quite see the consequences of that particular wound until the very, the very end, end scene with yeah. jude law is really quite yeah. strikingly nasty out mm-hmm. of that but in that yeah. same scene Tom Hanks gets wounded as well and has to be, you know, tried to be looked after by he's only, you know, a child. He doesn't know what to do. He has to drive aimlessly almost to just get get away because yes. Um, in that diner scene that you mentioned with Jude law, where he's kind of just watching him, uh, Tom Hanks is very much, you know, he seems like he's having casual conversation with him at first, that he's not really uh, aware of the fact uh, that, you know, he needs to be uh, worried about uh, Jude Law. There's a cop sitting in the diner as well. Uh, And so he gets up to go use the restroom. And ultimately, he has realized who Jude Law is and gets away with his son. Jude Law comes running out and starts shooting at the car. And so now, you know, 
he he um, ultimately, uh, after all of that happens, he realizes I need to teach my son how to drive. I need to get him involved in what I'm doing and make him aware of what yeah. is happening here. So he kind of lets his son know what is going on and be- and has his son almost kind of become his partner in the least uh, kind of involved way that he can't be. So yeah. he teaches him to drive so he'll know how to, you know, control the car if something happens to him. And he makes his son aware of kind of their plan to like take this money. So he he gets him involved in a way where his son doesn't have to kind of be involved in any type of violent behavior, but he needs to keep his son aware so that to keep him safe. Um, so his son ends up kind of becoming his partner in this moment. So the son, so, so when it comes to the scene where Tom Hanks is injured and his son has to drive him, it's really smart that, in this previous scene, he had taught his son how to drive. So his son does drive aimlessly. They find this farmhouse with the husband and wife and they nurse uh, Tom Hanks back to health and and let them stay there. In in a nice homely atmosphere. And admittedly they, they reward the uh, couple at the farmhouse rather handsomely when they, when, when Tom Hanks is recovered enough to Mm -hmm. continue with the, uh, the revenge mission, and this is now really the climax yeah. of the revenge mission once they uh, leave the farmhouse. This is the real big dogs where, well, Tom Hanks meets back up with Paul Newman. And there's a really great scene in a church yeah. between the two of them that Paul, and it's it still, there's a hell of a lot of respect there. It is still Paul Newman going, I don't want to do this, Tom. You know, I don't mind. Yeah. I don't want to do this, but what what else did I have left? You understand that this is what I had to do. You're in this business. Yeah, and this is my son. I, I, like, despite him being a complete idiot, yeah, he's my I son. Yeah, I hate him, but he's my he's son. He's my son. And Ed very much, again, feeling like the John Wick of, you know, that man hating his son for all of this his idiotic behavior, but it's his son. So he does whatever he needs to do to protect his son. And yeah. then that's kind of, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love the ending with Paul Newman as well, though, because it, it's almost, it's Paul Newman coming to terms with, I think some of his own flaws in his plan. Yeah. And at least being grateful that at the very end, because this is now the very end, it's Mike who, gets to be there with him even if it's mike that's pulling the trigger yes and this is probably our most john wickiest scene in this whole movie is we just have you know the rain just the the, just kind of the spotlight of the street lamps and uh all of these men around uh kind of protecting john rooney and we just see the muzzle flashes in the distance in the rain and that's the kind of the only illumination from a distance john rooney is seeing this these muzzle flashes going off and all of his men being killed and then you know here comes mike walking up with this big machine gun shooting more guys and then finally ends his kind of big revenge shooting spree with with killing john rooney so it's very much like it's it's very a a scene that could have just been simply pang 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 yeah beautifully shot beautifully beautifully handled and a great like build to this kind of strong moment between these two figures 
It is, and there's there's real weight to it as well because mm. I think we feel the relationship between the two of them constantly. It's constantly above our heads while yeah. we're watching the rest of the movie and, mm. and everything that does happen within it. That central relationship between the father figure yeah. and 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 the son figure as well yeah. as okay the other two father son relationships in the movie, but it is those two that anchor this entire movie and and that final scene when paul newman is, is killed in yeah. the movie is is you really do feel the weight of it i mean in this same climactic spree i rather like that he does away with connor quite nonchalantly yeah i like that he's not given a grand spectacle of an ending he's just in the bath and, and like the, the, the and the into the bathroom yeah, and just and goes the bang, mm -hmm. walks back out. Yes, and the enforcers are just else. letting and the enforcers are just letting him pass. Nobody is stopping him. There are guys set up to guard Connor, but they're not guarding him. You know, they just let they know what he's there to do. Uh yeah. John is, is gone. So have at it, kind of thing. He just saunters it's in the, a respect the hotel, thing. walks into the room. He without even saying any words of hate or anything, he just pang pang kills Connor and the another great visual. As he leaves, the mirror on the door just kind of swings towards us, and then we see the, who it is, what he did, yeah. the aftermath, and that's it. Perfect. <sighs> Um, and so we think, you know, we're good. And the whole kind of title film Road to Perdition is because him and his son are driving to Perdition to the beach house owned by his sister. And that's where he's going to One question. Life. Yes, one question I do have, though, about the, the title being Road to Perdition. And yes, okay, they're going to Perdition. That's the beach house where his son's mm -hmm. going to be safe, as, you, as you've just exactly mm -hmm. said. What sort of a name of a place is Perdition? I don't know. That's not a place name. That's a stupid name for anywhere. I thought like it was some sort of concept. I yeah. thought perdition was some sort of concept, not a location. No, it's, it's a location. It's a location. Um, yes. <laughs> I didn't realize that. It's, it's I didn't realize that it was very so much... literal. Yeah. So it's just where they're going. Do do do. They do finally make it, and everything feels so perfect a little too perfect it's very much feeling like the end of Shawshank Redemption for a minute and yes. you think you know but something but I love that there's something I don't know what he does or that Sam Mendes is doing that's still giving us this sense of unease like you know I guess you could just look at the time and know that you still got a, a, little, a little bit a little minutes left and no <laughs> but um, if you're not looking at the time and you're very invested, you still feel off. Like, this isn't it. Like, this is not the happy ending. Even though they're playing the swelling music and uh, Tom Hanks looks so peaceful watching his son play on the beach with his sister's dog and it's all happy and it's a beautiful location. He walks into the beach house and it's stark white, like white everywhere. And all I could think of, all this white, we're going to see some red. Like, that was just the first <laughs> yeah. thought. And so he's looking out the window at his son playing. And we kind of see like so something moving in the background, but we're just like writing it off. It's just a billowing curtain, right? It's just a curtain blowing in the breeze in the background. And then paying, paying two shots in his back. The red mm -hmm. splattering on the nice white. 
he falls to the ground and he was obscuring where he was standing, looking out the window, Jude Law sitting in a chair right where he was, you know, in, in behind him. Yes, and, a and, horrendously scarred. Disfigured with all these glass shards kind of scratched into his face. Um, he and, needs to wear a Phantom of the Opera mask now. Right? Jude yes, Law. cover that side of his face. Uh, and then he gets his little camera out and starts taking pictures for his little sick collection. Yes. Um, at this moment, young Mike has the gun. He he's has it pointed at, at Jude Law. And Jude Law's imploring him to uh, hand him the gun. And even in this moment, to avenge his father, to maybe save his life again, something. Big Mike, Tom Hanks, is telling him no. No, he doesn't want his son to to step over that line. He's already had to grow up so fast, but he does not want his son to step into this world of violence or do anything um, that would uh, kind of taint his mind in that way or taint his soul in that way. So even in this yeah. moment where his son could avenge him, he's shake. We see him a dying Mike shake his head to his son, holding this gun to Jude Law and telling his son, "No, don't do it," which is just such a powerful kind of thing that speaks really to is. speaks to you know the human of mike that i talked about at the beginning that you know he does this work um and you then you realize kind of he only did this work out of loyalty to a man he saw as his father and not yeah. for anything beyond that um and he doesn't want the same for his son so he's shaking his head telling his son not to avenge him and then he with his last kind of strength he lifts his own gun and shoots Jude Law in the back. Yeah. Um, to, to save I mean, we're his quite life. happy. We're, yes. We're, we're quite happy to see Jude Law done away with. Yes. Yes. And, and so he, ultimately, yes, he, he, he saves his son from having to do it. And, yeah. you know, he, he dies. And, and then we see uh, Mike, young Mike, drive back to the farm. With the, the, yeah. with the husband and wife who who made a note to mention you know they you know just got a late start when they met and weren't able to have children so you kind of allude to the fact that exactly. you know they would be happy to take him in and then he, you know he ends up kind of we we get the sense that he grew up on the farm he brings the dog with him uh you know the 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 mother the woman of the farm is very happy to see him and you know he he has this kind of uh um uh narration where he's kind of talking about people ask me about my father uh you know was he a good man and i just say he was my father so yeah it really really quite a a, a striking amount of foreshadowing go on going on in this movie particularly as we as we've continued to talk about from a visual standpoint it is really yeah. the absolute highlight aspect of yeah road to perdition for me is it is it's phenomenal visual storytelling but that 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 final idea of mike giving young mike a, a chance at a pure heart and a pure yeah. soul that his own father figure as 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 pleasant towards him okay he you know hired an assassin to kill him but as pleasant towards mike as john rooney is as paul newman is 
very particular beginning of the movie, obviously, we, we see how close and how warm he is to that entire family. Yeah. But he never got the chance. I mean, okay, he's not his actual father, but we never even hear about Tom Hanks' actual father in the movie. Yeah. So with his actual father and with his father figure, he never got a chance at a pure soul. He was always going into some sort of reluctant life of yeah. violence. And I, I, I love the second chance that he he gives Tyler Hecklin at the yeah. end of the movie. It must be, you know, he must die then with a sense of satisfaction almost, which is a, is a horrible way of thinking about it, but... When you do die, surely you want to die feeling like at least you did your the best for your act, yeah, for your yeah, child. At least your last act is is a is a positive one and it certainly is in yeah. this case. Um it's a it was a really great movie. Really great movie. Yeah. I mean I'd certainly be interested to go and look at the graphic novel to see yeah. exactly if the adaptation is as as good as I think it is, having never even looked at the graphic novel. Yeah. Because I, I have to hope that it is as purely visual as this movie is, because if it isn't, if it's quite dialogue-heavy, I don't want anything to do with it, and I'll just have this version of Road to Perdition, please, the yeah. movie version, because I like this as it is right here and right now. But I think, I think this has yeah. been a great movie. I really do, and a great showcase of an old Paul Newman. Yeah, a really great showcase of an old Paul Newman for his final ever screen. Yeah. yeah, really great, really great. I'm certainly very much looking forward to Friday's. Yes, that will feature. It's going to be fun. The main show, of course, this show Morgan hasn't seen. That show, It's a Wonderful Podcast on Friday, is here every week on the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed. Subscribe wherever you do get your podcast. Leave your rates, reviews, answer those questions over on Spotify that we always like to put up. You can, of course, subscribe and ding your notification bell on the It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel as well for all the fun stuff we put on over there. We spoke about the Patreon and the donation links before. You can, of course, also find us on social media, though, at It's a Wonderful One on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at the Purple Don with a three instead of the E in the because, Janine. Three is the magic number. On Instagram, TikTok, and threads at the Purple Don. All your gangstery stuff <laughs> is where. <laughs> you can find me at Janine Debean underscore on Twitter, Janine Debean on Instagram, TikTok, and threads. Want to get any merch for any of our shows? Just check the description for the link or search It's a Wonderful Podcast on teespring.com. And if you want to purchase any of my art and print form, you can find that at my big cartel shop, g9design.bigcartel.com. Now, I know I've had you do an impression of all of our uh, old Hollywood meets new central actors that we focused on for this entire series, but I just don't think Paul Newman has a distinct enough voice at all to a presence, yes, but not a voice. So I'm going to ask, just for this one 
fun occasion. Oh my gosh. A, a Tom Hanks, perhaps. Can we do a Tom Hanks? <laughs> I cannot do a Tom Hanks. It's a distinct voice. It is. It is. It is a very distinct voice that I cannot do. And you're just going to laugh at me like you always do when you give me these terrible challenges. Well, okay. If, if you don't want to do a Tom Hanks impression to count down, just give us a quote from your favorite Pixar movie. <laughs> um, remember me. <laughs> Three. Let's do it. Two. We like that. One. Bye. Bye.